feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, boy, was it another emotional 9-11 anniversary. And to me, there is no way that anybody should ever forget what happened on 9-11. We all know where we were on 9-11. We all, probably many people out there listening, know people uh, or had friends of individuals who perished on 9-11. I think about my friend Barbara Olson, who was on that plane that crashed into the Pentagon, calling her husband Ted Olson, who was the Solicitor General, saying, hey, there are these guys that are on the plane, um, and knowing that that plane was about to crash. And I've thought about her, uh, I've thought about her almost every day since 9-11, quite frankly. I got to know Barbara quite well because I was the senior correspondent for Fox News in Washington and got to spend a lot of time with her. And I also think about how I was blessed because I was supposed to be in the Twin Towers on 9-11. And I canceled a date that I had, a a date with a a work client person, an agent that I was supposed to meet. I was supposed to meet him for breakfast in the Twin Towers on 9-11. And I canceled it the night before. And I've always thanked my Fox bosses because we went out late the night before, too late that I didn't want to meet him for breakfast. So I had to delay the appointment and said, hey, I'll meet you at happy hour instead. I'll meet you later. And unfortunately, obviously, the world changed forever. But I've always been thankful for the grace of God that I was not in one of the Twin Towers that day. And I would have been. And the kind of journalist I am, I would have been running up the stairs and trying to help somebody or do whatever I can. And so today has been really emotional for me, and I'm sure for so many of you out there. Uh, It is a reminder, first and foremost, of the incredible heroes of 9-11, and obviously those who lost their lives on 9-11, and those who were running towards the Twin Towers while they were burning and while they were crumbling. The unbelievable stories of heroism and courage and guts, I think about Stephen Siller. We talked earlier today with Frank Siller, who's, of course, head of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and his brother running with heavy gear towards the Twin Towers. And that was the last time he knew that his brother was alive. And I think about so much of the courage of the leaders and the families and the guts of the families today. When I was watching a lot of the services, I know many of you were, I was watching and, and hearing the bells toll. Every time I hear the bells toll, it's just you know, a tear in my eye. I think about the families, of course, as I mentioned, in Washington and also in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Think about Todd Beamer, the guts of the people on that plane, saying, let's roll, knowing what was going to happen, and saying, let's attack, let's take down this plane. And they did. So there are so many unbelievably inspiring stories that I hope also all of you share with your family and friends and especially the next generation. Recently, I went to the 9-11 Memorial Museum, and I'm so glad I did. I went with some dear friends of mine, and I went down there and looked at the mangled wreckage and saw the stories and, and saw the the heroism and the guts and also the tragedy of what happened that day. A lot of it I knew. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little nervous to go down there because it was facing a lot of things that were very emotional. But I thought it was so important. And I encourage all of you, uh, whenever you come to New York City, to go to that museum. What are your thoughts today as this is now 22 years later and it feels so raw and still so real for so many of us around the country It's also a very powerful reminder that we must always stay vigilant. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about the open borders because I think about how dangerous it is that we have a wide open southern border. Our northern border isn't much better. And we have so many individuals in this country who we do not know who they are. 
We do not know their background. We do not know uh, their criminal history. And you know that a number of the hijackers were living here in America, living among us. Uh, some of them had overstayed their visas. They were doing the flight training. Mohammed Atta, remember, was down in Florida. There were all these different stories. And you could see what was happening. And that's why it is so important to protect the homeland and to stand strong as Americans together. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. one 848 9222. First off, here's a couple sights and sounds, uh, 9-11 calls that happened on 9-11. Fire Department 408, where's the fire? Yeah, hi, I'm on the 106th floor of the uh, World Center, we just had an explosion up here. All right, we're, we're there, we're coming up to get you. you. see the smoke coming up from outside the windows down. All right, we're on the way. Huh? We're on the way, sir. Okay. All right, just, just keep some windows open. If you can open up windows and just sit tight. It's going to be a while because there's a, a fire going on downstairs. open the windows unless we break. Okay. Just sit tight. All right, just sit tight. We're on the way. All right, please hurry. Two World Trade Center on the ninth, seventh floor. Heavy smoke. Okay, sir, please try to keep calm. We'll send somebody up there immediately. Everyone's been there trying to get you all up. Okay, uh, y'all have the air, y'all breathing okay? Okay, so you're breathing okay. I say just relax and try to stay calm, try to keep everybody else calm. Try to get back to, try to get there to you as soon as you can. Don't worry, people have a difficult breathing. All right, we're going to relay this to the fire department, okay? All right, sir. We're going to relay this to the time, thank you. Sir, you want to leave the line open? I'll stay on the line with you. You don't have to talk, okay? It is chilling to hear that. Oh, there's a fire reported. Of course, those are early 911 calls when nobody had any idea what was to come and what had just happened. Because remember, we were all sort of thrown for a loop. I remember at the time I was on the phone with a federal agency when one of the planes came into the second building. And suddenly I heard the name Bin Laden over and over and over again and all the indicators that they had thought something was about to happen because of Amma Masood, who was the Northern Alliance leader, and because he had been taken out just recently and he was our intel on the ground there in Afghanistan. And I remember going over to Afghanistan. Uh, boy, one of the most foreboding places I've been to on this earth. And seeing just how desolate and the area all there around where Osama bin Laden had been hiding out. And, of course, thank goodness we finally had justice. Here's a little bit more. Here's the FDNY. Here's some of their transmissions on 9-11. We just had a plane crash into Alpha 4 of the World Trade Center. Transmit a second alarm and start relocating companies into the area. We have a number of floors on fire like the plane was aiming towards the building. You have a second plane into the other tower of the tower of the train set of major fire. So you guys have jumpers, baby, jumpers. One of the buildings is partially collapsed in a whole entire area of tank. The south tower, major collapse. The other tower just collapsed, major collapse, major collapse. Everybody get out, we had a collapse of the second tower. Wow. It is unbelievable that anybody survived. And think about just the panic at that moment. Um, obviously, so many horrible scenes from 911. And as I mentioned, my friend Barbara Olson was on the flight that slammed into the Pentagon. And here is some transmission audio uh, when the contact got lost on that plane. American 77, clear direct to Thomas. American 77, Indy. American 77, American Indy. American 77 American Indy Radio Check. How do you read? 
American uh, 77, American radio check. How do you read? This is Jacobs. Uh, this is uh, Henderson, American 77. I don't know what happened to him. I'm trying to oh, read it. Looks like he turn, took a turn to the south, and uh, now I'm, uh, I don't know what altitude he's at or what he's doing. Last night he was at, uh, heading towards Falmouth at 35. Well, just let me know. Okay, I'll try to get a hold of him. Thanks. And, of course, we know that plane slammed into the Pentagon. Today, uh, our president, President Biden, was... MIA at all of these important sites. He is the first president in American history since 9-11 to not do a ceremony at the White House or to be at any of these memorial sites. I, I think that's a disgrace, and I want to hear your thoughts on that, because that, to me, gets me so angry. An American president needs to lead. He should have been there. We all know what 9-11 means. It means so much to every single American, every member of the human race knows about 9-11. And we have to make sure that future generations know about 9-11. And the fact that our president was over in the G20, but then he was in Vietnam afterwards and he was there for a climate conference and technology conference. So instead, he went over to Alaska. I'm glad he was on U.S. soil, but he should have been at one of the memorial sites. Absolutely. I think it's a disgrace. It's not a time to be talking about climate change and all these other things. He was a disaster, by the way, over in Vietnam. He was fumbling and talking about how he had to go to bed and do all these things. And to miss major sites like this, to not be either at the Pentagon or Shanksville or to be in New York or to be in all three spots on this day, That would have sent a really strong message. But for him to make it sound like basically climate change was more important, he should have rearranged his schedule and he should have flown back because he could have done it. He's the president of the United States, and his team should have said, Mr. President, you shouldn't be away from one of the sites on 9-11. In fact, here's a real leader. Here's George W. Bush, because who could forget that moment right after 9-11 Remember when he stood on the rubble, and that to me is one of the most profound moments right after 9-11. And I think about a leader who says, we will make these people pay. Take a listen. Well, I'll never forget that moment. When he was there, I remember watching it live. I had tears in my eyes. And yet here are we now with a wide open border and a president who hasn't decided to even come back to one of the memorial sites on 9-11. That is a day you just circle it on your calendar and say, I can't be anywhere but honoring these victims at the memorial site. Nothing's more important. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Nothing. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the lessons of 9-11. I think the most important lesson is that we never, ever, ever forget. And also that we make sure that future generations, especially those who were born after 9-11, understand what happened that day and the sacrifices made by those, sadly, who lost their lives, also those 
who ran towards the danger to save others. There's incredible stories of heroism. And, you know, so many times you hear in the media stories about, oh, a rock star did this or an actress did this. Uh, Our kids need to know about real heroes like those of the guts of the NYPD and those of the guts of the FDNY and those kind of people, those brave men and women who answered the call on 9-11 and ran toward danger, knowing that they may not come back, and many of them did not, and many of them still continue to suffer to this day from illnesses or have passed from illnesses since 9-11, not just on that fateful day. Those, to me, are the people that our kids need to learn about and need to hear about and need to meet. Those are real-life heroes living among us. And we, I think, owe all of those individuals and the families who lost loved ones that we never forget the incredible sacrifices that were made on 9-11. And we also never Give up the homeland. We always need to keep an eye on our borders. We need to keep an eye on our national security. We cannot be vulnerable again. And right now we have a wide open border, and that is an enormous issue for our security. I worry so much about how open our border is, how we haven't vetted who's been coming through the homeland. We know we have a whole bunch of these gotaways that have never We don't even have any idea who they are, their names, their pictures, registered, anything like that. We just know they're out there somewhere in the United States. And that's a really scary premise, especially as we are on the 9-11 anniversary. It is a painful reminder that we must not give up our guard, that we must stand watch at the border and also at the airports and everywhere else and keep an eye for those who wish to do us harm. America is the greatest country in the world And we represent so much to the world. We need to protect it. We need to preserve it. And we need to make sure that future generations always understand what 9-11 really means. And unbelievable heroes living among us. These were real people, real names, real families. And we owe it to them to always remember their sacrifice. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, line one. Mike, your thoughts. Rita, I always enjoy your show, Uh, especially tonight. It's an honor. I'm telling Ken, uh, I had a heavy heart today. I knew eight people who died 9-11 from Oceanside, Rockwell Center, Baldwin, Freeport. And President Bush had his arm draped around the fireman. Uh, He's from Baldwin, retired FDNY. And I volunteered three weeks after 9-11, a day I'll never forget the people I met. And outrageous. Um, And you know what? I'll say this to you, Rita. They they shouldn't make 9-11 a national holiday. They make these holidays for nothing, you know, certain holidays. Absolutely. You're you're right. We should we should absolutely make it a national day of remembrance or something like that. Obviously, I hate to use the word holiday because there's nothing, you know, a holiday about it. But I hear you. It should be a day that like I think, you know, school kids get off. But I actually think what it should be is a day that they go down to the 9-11 Museum or they do something 9-11 related I know that they do some issues with service where they teach them the values of service or do some things like that. But it should be an assignment where, like, every school kid has to maybe do a 9-11 project or be with a 9-11 family or tell a 9-11 story or do something. Don't you think, Mike? Because I worry. It scares me uh, that there are people out there who don't really know what 9-11 is. Either they grew up afterwards or they were so disconnected. And if they're not taught for this generation— that it gets passed on, God help us if we ever forget what happened on 9-11. This day, um, you know, everybody remembers when I was a kid, it was like John F. Kennedy, where we, I was, you know, old guy, I was nine. Everyone will remember where they were, and they have to make this uh, a remembrance day that stays with Americans for generations to come. Bravo. I 1,000% agree, Mike. Thank you very much, 1,000%. Let's go to Norm, line six. Norm, your thoughts. 
my thought my thoughts are Rita is for you know first of all it is shameful that uh, President Biden did not go to uh, any of the 9/11 uh, memoriams um, I think I think I think it, I think when he was at that climate change conference conference uh, I'm sure the other world leaders were saying to themselves among themselves I can't believe the president of the United States is not with his people on 9-11. I, I, I just, I find that hard to believe. I agree. To me, it is baffling, Norm. I mean, it is, what kind of a, a leader doesn't make it number one priority? Number one priority. You see the date on the calendar, you say, uh-uh, I'm not scheduling anything on that day. I need to be in New York or D.C. Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Springfield, Virginia, where members of the Fairfax County Police Department's crisis negotiation team just last week successfully persuaded a man who had been threatening to jump from a parking garage roof at the Springfield Town Center to step down. Officers responded to a suicidal man ready to jump from a roof of a parking garage at the shopping center. They engaged with the man in conversation to try to calm him down, which bought time for additional resources, including the police department's crisis negotiation and also co-responder units, to finally get on scene. Negotiators spoke with the man for more than five long hours and were finally able to convince him to step off the ledge. Thankfully, Fairfax County Police said by early evening that day, the man capitulated, he was taken into police custody, and is receiving treatment at this time. Thank goodness. Wow, what a very emotional and difficult situation, and thank goodness there was a happy ending to uh, that story coming from Springfield, Virginia. Well, today, as we've been talking about, is 9-11, and there is no other organization that I think has done more to honor the heroes of 9-11 than the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Uh, The big Tunnel to Towers Foundation walk run is coming up on Sunday, September 24th, And all of us here at the Red Apple Audio Network are encouraging our loyal listeners to donate to our individual teams. That's right. You can check out walk.ritacosbyonline.com and click on my picture to donate. Please help me raise the most money here at the station for the amazing Tunnel to Towers Foundation Walk Run. Let's never forget those that help America's heroes. And the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is so near and dear to me. So let's raise money together. Please help our veterans, our first responders, and 9-11 victims. Go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture, and the proceeds go to the incredible Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I was talking with Frank Siller earlier today and they did 22 mortgage-free homes today alone. What an amazing, amazing mission to families who lost loved ones. Think about what an incredible, great organization and how transformative that is to those in need, especially here it is on 9-11. So check it all out, everybody. Walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture And again, help this incredible organization, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Well, we are talking about leadership or lack thereof in the case of President Biden. So disappointing that he did not go to any of the 9-11 sites today. Uh, By the way, you may have just heard, but in the last few hours, turns out uh, the Biden administration has cleared the way for the release of five American citizens detained in Iran uh, by giving them basically uh, a blank waiver, if you will, for international banks to suddenly transfer also $6 billion in frozen money from South Korea 
ultimately basically going back into Iran. So there was a prisoner swap deal that took place between Iran and the U.S. And also the U.S. released $6 billion in frozen Iranian funds. Think about where that money is going to go in Iran and uh, what battlefield that may end up. Uh, The word just came out that they informed Congress a few hours ago. I'll tell you, when I saw this, I had a pit in my stomach. I think it is shameful, again, that they notified Congress today, 9-11, that they have agreed to unfreeze, again, $6 billion in Iranian assets in exchange for the release of five American citizens that have been held there in Tehran. A lot of people say this is a very dangerous thing to do. Obviously, we want to get our Americans home. There's no question about it. But by paying this kind of money and unfreezing this massive amount of money on a day like this, where Iran is one of the leading supporters of sponsor, uh, sponsor of terrorism around the world, and doing it on the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, I think that is outrageous. I think it's disgusting, and I think it causes a very dangerous, dangerous situation where now it puts other Americans in danger and fear that they're going to be taken hostage And in return, they'll think that the U.S. will pay that kind of money. That's an enormous amount of money. And all I could think about, remember the pallets of cash coming from the Obama administration in the middle of the night, suddenly being snuck in and someone happened to see it. And that's how the world found out about the payment because they weren't talking about it beforehand. But now in this case, they admitted that indeed, yeah, uh, they paid that kind of money. And I think that's a disgrace to pay a terrorist regime one of the worst in the world, if not the worst, here we are on 9-11 and doing it on this day. That is salt in the wound, and I think shame on the Biden administration. And this comes as President Biden was in Alaska, as I said. He didn't seem to have time to come back to the 9-11 memorial sites or do an event at the White House, which is what President Obama did one year. Now Biden becomes the first American president in 22 years since the 9-11 attacks, not to do something at one of the attack sites or at the White House specifically for 9-11. I think it's disgusting, and I think it is shameful. Uh, Governor Pataki, who, of course, was at the helm during 9-11, he feels the same way. He said it is disgusting, that it is a slap in the face to all Americans, and especially those who went through 9-11, I think he owed it to the families to be there at ground zero. I think he should have tried to go to as many sites as possible, but he didn't even try. And that, to me, is so disgraceful. Here he is, first of all, in Alaska, and again, telling a story. Listen to this just a few hours ago. Here is Biden when he was in Alaska. Take a listen. To renew our sacred vow, never forget, never forget. We never forget. Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. First off, according to his own book, He was actually in Washington, D.C. He wasn't at Ground Zero the day after 9-11. And he described it as seeing the plume, uh, the brown haze of smoke. But that was from D.C., not from 9-11. He can't even keep his story straight. And here is Tulsi Gabbard, a former congresswoman from Hawaii. Uh, This is why she says he was not in New York on this 9-11 anniversary. You know, who hasn't been here today and who will not be here today is President Joe Biden. So the question is, why not? Perhaps it's because he wants the American people, he wants us all to to move past or forget about this attack. Who carried it out? Why they did it? Perhaps it's because he and his administration want to divert our attention away from this and instead focus on new, bigger and more lucrative wars. They want us to focus on... Uh, politically advantageous wars, like the war against parents who who just want to have a say in our kids' education. Or they want us to focus on the war against patriotic Americans who are standing up to protect 
our freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution. How sad is that, that she believes he wants us to forget? And who could forget what happened in Afghanistan? And Mark Thiessen, conservative commentator, had this to say as to the way Biden has handled wars. The irony to me is, that, I mean, it's epitomized by the fact that Joe Biden is not at ground zero today. Uh, this was a moment where it used to be a moment where people put aside their differences and, and came together as a country. And the president who promised to unite us uh, is not there. I, I actually don't mind the fact that he's not there in a way because uh, he and I say this with sadness because I think that we should respect the office uh, regardless of who the occupant is. But Joe, Joe Biden is the president who surrendered to the enemies who attacked us on September 11, 2001, and did so with dishonor because he left behind, he knowingly left behind American citizens in Afghanistan after promising that he wouldn't do it. And he did. And that's why a lot of people said uh, he may not get a warm welcome if he were to come to New York, uh, although I think he should have come. And boy, has he made serious mistakes in Afghanistan. Uh, just a little bit earlier tonight, I was at an event uh, for 9-11 with Governor Pataki, and there are a number of organizations of special forces and others who've been in Afghanistan, now in Ukraine, trying to help individuals there um, and their sacrifices, because so many of them, by the way, were in Afghanistan because so many people were left behind by this administration. And so it is sadly not a surprise to me that he picks 9-11 to basically have the White House make an announcement to Congress that it has agreed to unfreeze the $6 billion in Iranian assets in exchange for the American hostages. That, to me, I think is a very dangerous, dangerous pattern and as many people believe, we'll put Americans in harm across the world. But he cuts a deal with the devil on 9-11. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to line seven. Uh, Maria, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Um, I was going to say something right at the beginning. And you have my blood boiling about Biden he has put us in such a vulnerable position over and over again. I lost five people on 9-11. I was working at MSNBC. I think you know the acquisitions room that I was working in. So we got to see every single angle of those burning buildings and then collapsing and not being able to reach family members. What my brother was supposed to be working in one of those buildings. Thank God he was pulled from there and put somewhere else that day. So he's alive. I thank God every day. And I just, uh, Father Michael Judge, I learned about his passing from a Rudy Giuliani press conference that I was rotating. And um, when I got home after two days, my brother left a message. Our good friend, Michael Carroll, a firefighter uh, from Ladder 3, I believe his truck is in the museum. Yes, I and think it is. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I remember seeing it. Boy, what's left yes, of it? he was the driver of the truck, but I believe he was, you know, killed outside of the truck. And then there were two others, my sister's partner, my sister, Owen, oh, thank you for Back the Blue, my sister's retired detective, MIPD, and her husband, the retired sergeant, and um, one of her partners, John Coughlin, he passed that day. He was with ESU, and uh, Moira Smith, who was a good friend of my friend, and she held a bridal shower for my best friend. She was the female police officer who was killed that day. What do you, what do you think just, the lessons are, Maria, as, as we talk uh, about all those who we loved and that we lost? Yeah, we, the lesson is vote for somebody who's going to protect us. We have to get Biden out of there. Um, we need somebody who's going to love this country as much as I do. That's the way I look at it. And we need to, need to vote for somebody who is going to take that oath to protect the United States of America and its citizens. One thousand percent. I do not percent. see that right now. 
And you know what, Maria? Thank you very much. Uh, and you remind me fondly of my time there at NBC, for sure. But you are right. Um, that is the key. There's nothing more important than someone who says we will protect our borders. If you don't feel safe in your own city and your own country, that's a huge problem. And the lesson from 9-11 is that we had a few bad guys that got in at that time. Imagine how many more uh, that could be multiplied uh, by the millions now. There are so many issues down there now uh, at the southern border in particular that to me are so deeply alarming and deeply concerning, and we have to learn from that 1,000%. Let's real quick go to Alex in Brooklyn, line six. Alex, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, thanks for taking the call. Number one, when Joe Biden says, I remember I was standing there a day after, uh, you don't even have to research to see if he was lying. If, if If anything before last week, if he says, I remember it, it means he's lying because you can remember it. About this $6 billion, I wasn't calling about that, but that is so despicable. The Iranians are going to do it again. He rewarded them for taking these hostages. And here's the thing. Why did we have these sanctions and these things put in place that shouldn't be, have access to, their, to the money? Because they're getting closer to nuclear. And, you know, you don't say, hey, you got hostages. We're just going to let you now get nuclear and attack the United States and its allies. There is no excuse for this. This is totally despicable. And Mark Thiessen is 100 percent right. I don't want Joe Biden to be at any of these ceremonies. I didn't even want to hear a speech today because uh, if you listen to it, I mean, you mentioned it where he he lied, right? He lied about where he, where he was the day afterwards. He makes it all about himself. He tries to draw sympathy and say, hey, look at me, how good I am. I was there the day afterwards. You know, you know uh, what I was waiting you, for, you, Alex? You all the, I was yeah. waiting for him with the kitchen story. You know, I thought he was going to like tell oh, the kitchen story 100%. again in a different in a different way than he's told it five other times. You know, it's yep. like, but but you know what? How sad is that, Alex, that indeed you brought up the the most powerful point. First off, um, I think he still owes it, no matter even if he wouldn't be well-received or if he couldn't give a good speech. By the way, at 9-11, at, um, at least in New York City, they do not allow the politicians even to speak um, because they don't want it to be political. They allow them to attend, but they don't allow them to speak, which is the way I think it should be because it's the family's time. It shouldn't be a political act. But— You brought up a great point that he rewarded them. He rewarded Iran, the world's basically biggest sponsor of state terrorism. He rewarded them on a day like this. That is disgraceful. And that makes my stomach sick to think that he did this any time, let alone on this day. No time should he be acquiescing to them, but especially on 9-11. Uh, Alex, thank you. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. So what is wrong with the Biden administration? We know today President Biden was MIA at any of the 9-11 sites. And then who could forget this moment back in 2021 where Kamala Harris compared Pearl Harbor 9-11 and January 6th? Listen to this. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were, and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. How dare she? Put January 6th in the realm of 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. That is incredible. Let's go to Vinny, line six. Vinny, your thoughts about President Biden MIA today at the memorial sites. 
Well, I'm going to tell you right now, but just hearing about Kamala Harris bringing up January 6th on two day horrific days in this country, she's a disgrace, too. But as far as Joe Biden is concerned, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I lost family and I lost friends there. And for him to make an idea, deal with Iran on one of America's most horrific day and tragedies, he's nothing but a disgrace and a failure and shouldn't even be called president. I'm horrified at what I just heard. Yeah, I am, too. I thought it was a mistype. Like, when I first heard it, Vinny, I couldn't believe it that they actually did this on this day is when they notified Congress. Uh, and there was when it, we heard there was, it was in the works, I thought, oh, God, hopefully this isn't true. Um, and now here it is. They did it, and they did it on 9-11. I think it is disgusting. I agree with you. Let's go to John, line three. John, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, I tell you what, I got chills listening to you tell your story because it practically mirrors mine. Um, I also was supposed to be there that morning and, uh, you know, thankfully, due to a last minute schedule change was not. Do you mind if I read something that I've uh, that I've written years ago and and, and shared? We're not we're not going to have time, unfortunately, John, because we're going to a break. But what I do want to say is God is certainly shining upon both of us. And boy, are we lucky. Uh, that we were not down there that day. Um, And that's why I think it is so important that all of us share the memories of 9-11 and also talk about the heroes 1,000%. So sorry, John, we got a hard break, but thank you very, very much. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Well, it was undoubtedly a very somber and powerful day today on the 9-11 anniversary. And, of course, at Ground Zero, the bells rang for the 9-11 victims when the first plane hit the first tower. And it happened over and over again to commemorate them. Also, their names were read out loud, too, as well. And that is always so moving But here's a little bit of the bells that always gives me chills on every 9-11 anniversary. And, of course, moments of silence taking place as well to honor those who perished all because we had those individuals spearheaded by Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who President Biden's trying to cut some sort of a deal with, and also Osama bin Laden, who, thank goodness, is no longer with us, uh, that they masterminded this 9-11 attack. And that's why it is so important that we protect the homeland in honor of those who died on 9-11. Not only those in the towers, but also at the Pentagon, also in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Again, all the emergency officials running towards the danger. I think about the guts and the selflessness of them, too, as well. There are so many stories to this day and so many people that I meet that still also have problems with their breathing because of what they breathed in that day at Ground Zero, trying to help others or in the following days in the cleanup, and it is still going on and on and on for so many of them and their family members. And because of that, we owe it to them that we protect our homeland, that we protect our border. And today, Senator Lindsey Graham had this to say about just how dangerous this moment is in America and that we must stay vigilant because there are many people wishing to do America harm like they did on 9-11. Oh, we're like living we're s- on borrowed time. We're li- I mean, w- like today, mm-hmm. uh, two and a half million have come across that uh, border illegally. Uh, how easy is it for a terrorist or a group of terrorists to get in the middle of these migrants? The border patrol is overrun. They, they, they're processing millions of people, so that leaves the border exposed. Actually, 
there are about 2 million or so gotaways that we just have no clue about. There are about 7 million that have come in that we sort of have an idea and we say, hey, come back for a hearing in 10 years. The 10, we have zero idea. I mean, this is just, this is a mess. That total, when you put it together, again, it's close to 10 million that we just really don't know. 2 million for sure we have, don't even know what they look like. Some of the others, maybe we have a picture, but we have no idea of their identity. We have no idea. We have invented them criminally, health-wise. There's a million reasons. And yet our border continues to be wide open. We see it in so many major cities across this country. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more of Senator Lindsey Graham saying just how dangerous the situation is in the United States and how vulnerable we are. My real fear, 22 years after 9-11, is that our withdrawal from Afghanistan has put every jihadist on steroids, that the Taliban are uh, human scum. There is no reformed Taliban. They're destroying women inside of their country. Uh, the number two or three guy in al-Qaeda was killed by us in Kabul. The combination of the terrorist uh, group, the Taliban running Afghanistan in a broken border, is a lethal cocktail that's going to bite us as a nation. Mm. The warning signs are there, Mr. President. President Biden, we need to secure our border. You need to change your policy on immigration. You need to up your game. Yeah, you need to up your game. You need to wake up uh, because this is really frightening and nothing more encapsulates it than what happened on 9-11. And yet, you look at, as I just mentioned, he has now cut a deal with Iran giving the world's biggest sponsor of state terrorism $6 billion that was frozen that they had no access to. So now they'll be able to use it, and you can imagine some of the ways that they will use $6 billion, and it will embolden them to take other Americans. And it sends a message to others. you got uh, Evan Gerskovich. He's the Wall Street Journal reporter who's sitting there in Russia right now. Because Putin knows he can maybe make a trade. Because this president, remember, traded the angel of death, the merchant of death, with Brittany Griner, the basketball player. So you can imagine what he's going to want to want to have for Evan Gerskovich or some of these others that are over there now. This is a really dangerous game. And my heart breaks for these people. Believe me, I'd like to get them out. But you can't. Pay $6 billion to a terrorist organization that is plotting to do harm to America and to its neighbor, Israel. Think about what they're... Israel is freaking out tonight because of Joe Biden, and rightly so. And here's what Senator Lindsey Graham had to say about all that. So this administration has been coddling Iran. We had them in a box. They are a terrorist state that's trying to destroy Israel and would kill us if they could. So his policies, Biden's policies toward Iran is making them stronger. He doesn't understand the threats apparently we're facing from China. He gave the Taliban back Afghanistan. He's got a broken border anybody can walk through. We're lucky that we haven't been hit already. And the policies of pursuing is going to make China more emboldened. It certainly is. And then they see what we did in Afghanistan. They see the way that we haven't really even sent anything to China. In fact, Joe Biden was over there apologizing to China over there at the G20 after being snubbed by the president of China who didn't even bother to show up. And yet our president saying, we don't want to hurt China. Please don't hurt us. How is that sending a message to those who wish to do us harm? It is not. It makes us look weak and it makes us look pathetic and it makes us look vulnerable. And then yet today, of all days, here it is again, 9-11. I can't believe this. The Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, continued with this lie. Listen to this lie again on September 11th. Today is a very, very heavy day. Um, As the the individual who just preceded me so beautifully said, uh, we honor the lives lost and we have a commitment um, to never forget. We also have a commitment to keep our nation secure against an evolving threat landscape. The threat of cybersecurity, the threat of adverse nation states, the severity and frequency of extreme weather events, the phenomenon of disinformation used as a a, a weapon against our country. The threat landscape is so different today than it was uh, 22 years ago, Uh, but we also are much more mature as a nation and as a Department of Homeland Security. We have evolved as the threats have evolved, 
and America remains secure today. Yeah, America remains scared today because, what, we're doing such a great job at the border. What an outright lie. And here is Kamala Harris equating the situation to the border just like the weather. This is disgusting. We are seeing progress. But there is, we're not going to have a constant. There are going to be fluctuations. That is normal, just like the weather fluctuates and, and circumstances fluctuate, such as elections in those regions and what that might mean. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we keep our foot off the gas. We have to stay focused and understand there has to be a long-term strategy as well as a short-term strategy. Is there anybody out there that thinks that this administration has a strategy other than to purposely have an open border? I don't. At first, I thought, no, there's no way that they just want tens of millions of people to somehow come through the border, not vetted, not checked for criminal history, especially all this other stuff. But now, guess what? I actually do believe that because the proof is in the pudding. And now they are clearly allowing people to come across the border for whatever reason, whether it's votes or redistricting, uh, to change the dynamics of this country. That, to me, is just astounding that that would happen from the president of the United States and a vice president. Their duty is to protect the homeland. She's the border czar, and she has done nothing. And this president has done nothing. He has done so much damage that we will feel for generations to come. How how many sleeper cells could be in America tonight? I actually think quite a lot of them. And there's been an influx now of late, a massive increase of Russians coming in through the border. Surprise, surprise. And also Chinese coming through the border. Surprise, surprise. Also, Uzbeks that were recently coming through that were tied to ISIS. We've had many more on the terrorist watch list than ever before. Because guess what? They know the border is so easy. And many of them are here in this country and just waiting for the right moment because they came across a wide open southern border. That is disgusting that a president would allow it, especially here we are on 9-11. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Judith. Line 7. Judith, your thoughts. You must have seen what I wanted to talk about. I'm very concerned. First of all, these words never forget right now, as far as I'm concerned, are basically worthless because, according to Rudy Giuliani, the cartel and the radical Islamist terrorist groups are in cahoots together. And the cartel is basically knowing more who's coming in here, not Biden and the administration at all. And they are running this illegal invasion. And I feel like we are like sitting ducks. Absolutely. And, and, and like, you know, here we're talking about vigilant, 9-11, whatever. And here we are seeing like we're being invaded and we don't even know who, what and where. And the truth of the matter is they could be sitting here and they could, you know, you just don't know anymore. We're, and and we're you know what, protected. Judith? We've allowed yeah. it. That's what's so like just... I use the phrase astounding, but it is. It's remarkable to me that a president, uh, you know, I was with somebody tonight um, who's an ambassador, and he said to me, he's like, Rita, no country would ever allow this, you know, and he's lived in countries that, you know, are, are fairly liberal countries, but they wouldn't allow it. He's like, I, I, it's amazing to me what's happening at your U.S. border. Rita, Can you imagine? Rita, you know, they're all the world's looking at us like that. Rita, but how is it this guy, Mallorca's whatever, is lying through his teeth? How is it that, you know, I remember, by the way, remember, what's her name, Christy Whitman, whatever? Do you remember how she lied? Oh, the air is perfect. Yeah, come back. Exactly. <laughs> and, the, oh, what a, what a disaster and uh, what a huge mistake that was. And so many people came back and they got sick soon afterwards, which is just so heartbreaking. Uh, Judah, thank you so much. Let's go to Gus. Line three. Go ahead, Gus. Good evening, Rita. How are you? It's been a while. I'm doing great. I recognize the voice. How are you, Gus? I'm doing well. Last time we saw each other, we were we were shopping in Costco after COVID. We did a Kathy Lee and Regis at the cash register. I remember running into you. That was awesome. Well, I remember. You no, know, I my radio when I started out in radio a long time ago, it was Regis Philbin, it was Larry King and Joan Rivers that helped me. And you were the fourth in that sort of triangle. And I got to say that WABC Radio, what John Katsimatidis and you and your team have done is unbelievable for AM radio. Most people that listen probably understand, but a lot of people don't. 
And you guys bringing AM radio back is an amazing thing for many of us all across the land. Gus, thank you so much for saying that. I so appreciate it, especially coming from somebody like you. You are a total, total sweetheart. Thank you so much and hope to run into you again real soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Mike. Line six. Mike, your thoughts. How you doing, Rita? Uh, yeah, did, uh, w- w- with uh, Rita and the Kaz, uh show, y- you played the God Bless America, right, with the bagpipes? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay, that was very beautiful. But God also gave a, a 21 thunder salute. Did you hear the thunder? Ah, I did hear the thunder, 1,000%. Now, my, now, Mike, yeah. I, I understand you were a first responder down there. Is that right? Yeah, we uh, we responded uh with the Coast Guard Auxiliary, totally volunteer. We we responded it was the first day by uh by ship we we uh we uh, uh made sure that the uh the waterways were clear for the fast boats. Um, we responded uh between the first and second fall. Um, we secured the port first and then uh, they had called in for uh, an emergency for whoever had a, a boat would come down. And there was hundreds of boats coming down. So when I got there, I was either going to either tie up to a dock or run down there. But the, uh, there was a Coast Guard of Flavor with a Zodiac with five guys on it with uh, gas masks. And it was hot. And they were, they were trying to secure the port. They couldn't do it. I had a sailboat. And, uh, hey, Mike, uh, hey, Mike, I want to ask you real yeah. quick, how emotional, real quick, was it? Oh, you know, like, it, 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 I, to be honest with you, a day before, two days before, I got hit with lightning, and my, my radio went out, my death sounder went out. So I thought I thought my biker lifestyle was catching up to me, Rita, you know, because, uh, and then I changed the fuse on the uh on the radio, it didn't go, and I said, "No, it's got to." Be. I'm gonna change the fuse on the death sounder. It went on, so I knew I got hit with lightning. So everything was so surreal. I didn't have time to to get emotional. And, uh, and you know what? You know I what? Had... You know what? You are right uh, that you're you just sort of focus and you go into, um, you know, into survival mode to help other people to help them survive. Uh, Mike, you are terrific. I always love that you call the show, and now I love you even more that you were a first responder there down on 9-11. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls. Lots of calls tonight, 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. up on the Rita Cosby show as we are talking about border security and protecting the homeland. Of course, the migrant crisis is heating up in New York City. Earlier today, I talked with New York City Mayor Eric Adams. You joined us on Cats and Cosby, and uh, we're going to be playing a little bit about that, but also talking about the impact the migrant crisis is having on New York City. He's talking about now slashing all the different city agencies, all the services, because it's costing so much to take care of the migrants. Is that fair to New Yorkers? Should they be footing the bill? What, no more overtime maybe with police? Does that sound safe? I don't think so. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Mark, line one in upstate New York. Go ahead, Mark. Yes, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. This is still regarding uh, Biden. I mean, with all due respect, um, love your show, but this is no shock how he acts. Uh, the man has no sense of honor or decorum, and uh, for as president of the United States, it does not shock me that he, he would be there. I mean, I've always thought this man had, like, a very thin, superficial veneer. And there's no there's no depth. And and the other thing, he's not a smart man. I mean, I, I've always questioned, would you want would you want Joe Biden to be a bus driver dropping kids off in the wrong spots or even running a McDonald's? And yet he's the, the leader of the free world. This is just, you know, it's perplexing to me that we entrust this kind of 
uh, power to a man that's so incompetent. Yeah, and listen, even Democrats right now in some of the new polls, Mark, are saying that 70 percent of Democrats don't think he should run again because of his age and just sort of physical frailty. I mean, how about the part when he's over there in Vietnam, you guys, and he said, oh, it's time to kind of go to bed. Uh, I'm just so tired. I'm going to go to bed. I mean, that's what you say at a world leader event. It looks pathetic. It's the Rita Cosby Show. New York City Mayor Eric Adams saying it will be a financial tsunami and every city service will need to be cut 5% now, 5 soon after, and then 5% a few months later, 15%. Because we have to bend over backwards and pay for the migrants. That's what he believes. What is your reaction? And is that fair that overtime for police officers and other things will probably be cut? There might be some fire departments that might close down on weekends. That's not a good thing if, God forbid, there's a fire in a neighborhood and they have to now go to a firehouse further away. Uh, There is now also a story tonight that NYPD can expect a flood of retirements after New York City Mayor Eric Adams' proposal to slash overtime for migrant cost-cutting, according to the New York Post. Wow, wow, wow. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike. Line 5. Mike, your thoughts. Yes, thank you, Rita. Uh are they gonna, is he going to cut the uh, uh, migrants' expenses at all? I mean, those illegals, you know, like maybe cut back on a little bit of lunch or something, or, uh, you know, why are we giving them cell phones and paying for the cell phones and uh, uh, giving them credit cards to play with? You know, that that's all expenses coming out of us. You know, Mike, wh- what about the hotels? Sell- Mike, what about the hotels? What about the yeah, four? Exactly, you know, exactly. I mean, that's not cheap. No. No, put them all in tents. Put them all on Rikers Island like they've been talking about. It, it's a perfect spot, you know. Well, you know who well, also, Mike, did you one hear? Of his, uh, tricked out, uh, the, the, you know, cars that he has there. Mike, you know, what, about, what about also uh, New York uh, City Councilman Bob Holden's idea is put him on a bus. And he's a Democrat, Holden. He's a conservative Democrat. But he believes put him on a bus and send him to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Send That's him what to, I've been you know? the whole time. They get off the bus here, you put them on another bus and send them right to D.C. Right. It's amazing, Mike. The thought that they are now saying, and you bring up an excellent point. Uh, Are they going to cut back on their services or say no more? No more to the city? For some reason, he seems to think they're required to have an endless flow and doesn't seem to understand uh, that, that all these perks and freebies that you just talked about are what's incentivizing them to come here, you know? But, no, I haven't heard a word about them cutting back on the migrant expenses. That's a really fair and appropriate point, Mike. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Let's go, if we can, let's go to Tony, line one. Tony, your thoughts. Sounds like to me from the interview that Mayor Adams is looking for a a VP spot with Joe Biden in that that scary uh, time zone. But he said right up front, he goes, John said, you know, people are afraid of the border, and he told you guys right up front, you have to trust the federal government. That's number one. Number two, he said, I have a good relationship with the immigrants. That's number three. Number four, he said, um, you know, we have to charge the taxpayers when John asked him about all the expenses. He didn't care that people were afraid, and he figured the taxpayers are going to pay for it. And then he said, he goes, you know, and we have to get the migrants to go to work. He's working on that, too. And he said, um, I have a good relationship with the police because John said, you know, people are afraid of being in the city. Yes. And he goes, oh, crime is down. 
and we're going to, we back up the police all the time. And John's like, yeah, okay. John was pretty easy on him. So I think basically he told us he is looking to be like vice president. Well, you know, you know what though, Tony, you know, it's interesting, but the white house doesn't seem happy with him uh, (laughs) that, that he's even said, Hey, the border shouldn't be as open. I mean, he hasn't really kind of gone after Biden. I wish he would. Uh, But he's basically, because he's been upset about the flow, they don't even want that criticism. They cut him from, remember, he was supposed to be part of sort of the uh, campaign committee, if you will, and he's no longer a part of that. So it's like, but but on the other hand, if you keep saying we're going to do this, what, are we going to cut New York budget by 100% at one point so we can take care of all the migrants? It's like... It, it is it is an endless stream, to your point, Tony, and you re- listen very well because I heard nothing in the conversation that basically said, you know what, uh, here's how we're going to change the flow and stop the uh, the situation. All I heard was give us more money and also if we can get them to work, all these things that they're going to incentivize them more to come. And I even said to him, is there an end in sight? And he said, no, I don't see an end in sight. That's not very optimistic either.